Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. Our theme, Christianity and its relationship to politics and pop culture. The relationship between the Bible and politics is especially going to be the place where we start today, going all the way back to Jesus himself. So when we think of Jesus, we think of a religious figure. When we think of ancient Israel, we think of religious figures. But as you know, Israel was a nation. It had once been a sovereign nation. Yes, they lived under a theocracy. At the time of Jesus, this sovereign nation has been conquered by the Romans, but the Romans Romans allowed the Jews to have at least religious freedom. There was a ruling council, kind of an in-between the Roman governor Pilate and the Jewish populace. This was called the Sanhedrin. It was made up of members from two particular factions, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the rabbis, the Sadducees were the priesthood, and not every member of each party was in the Sanhedrin. They limited that to 70, but these were people that were well-respected, mostly the Pharisees. There was corruption going on in the priesthood to particularly the high priesthood. The days of a high priest being descended from Aaron were over. The Romans were appointing the high priest, and they gave it to the person that allowed them the biggest reward, the biggest bribe. Pharisees were thought of the population as being pure and not corrupt, but Jesus challenged the hypocrisy of both. The Pharisees and Sadducees didn't get along. In fact, they hated each other. The only thing they had in common was their hatred for Jesus because Jesus was calling them out. Where I'm going to read today, Jesus is in the temple, and he's talking to some priests, and it also says elders, which would have been referring to the Pharisees, teaching elders. And of course, Jesus is teaching in the temple courts, and they're asking him by what authority he was doing this. Let me read this passage to you. We're in Matthew 21, starting with verse 23. Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you this authority? authority. Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it amongst themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Hey, let's back up a little bit. John, this was a reference to John the Baptist. Very, very popular, the talk of Israel when he came out. In fact, he was under the public eye long before Jesus. And then he authenticated Jesus. He baptized Jesus. But you need to remember what was going on. You need to remember why there was so much euphoria and I guess you could also say hysteria from others when John came along. The Jews were coming off what was known as the 400-year period of silence. If you read the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, this is also the last prophet that God had sent Israel in 400 years. For 400 years, he had not sent a prophet. Now, Israel's history was very active during that time, but they had not received a prophet. John was the first prophet in 400 years, and there were rumors that he was 
actually Elijah. Remember, Elijah had not experienced physical death. And one of the last things Malachi, the last prophet, said was that God was going to send Elijah to herald in the coming of the Messiah. Whether or not John the Baptist was Elijah, that's another subject for another program. Jesus said that he fulfilled that prophecy as an Elijah the second, not a literal reincarnation. But the point is, John the Baptist had been executed by King Herod, and John the Baptist had been condemning the Pharisees and had been condemning the Sadducees. So Jesus is asking this question, and they're answering it like a bunch of politicians. As you can see, even though this was 2,000 years ago, nothing has changed. There's nothing more nauseating than watching a politician on TV being interviewed or at a press conference, and they won't give a direct answer to a direct question when asked. And there's a reason for that. They have pollsters, they have handlers, they have advisors that say, well, if you say this, you'll offend this people group. If you say that, you'll offend that people group. And that's what's going on here. Well, if we say we believe John was a prophet, he's going to say, well, then why didn't you go along with them? And if we say then that he wasn't, well, we know that he was very popular with the people. So they come back and they say, we don't know. Usually you won't even hear that much from a politician today. They won't say they don't know, although I'm going to share an example of somebody who did say that actually today, very recently in our history. But usually what you'll see politicians do is try to change the subject. Now, my own politics my own beliefs in the world of current events are no secret to anybody who listens to this show. And of course, I hope you all know that you're welcome whether you share my political beliefs or not. And I do want to be fair because as I call out some of the liberal politicians, I'm sure some of you can think, well, Bob, we know conservative Republican politicians and they don't answer direct questions either. You're absolutely right. And as a demonstration of my good intentions, I'm going to begin with a politician whom I voted for. That was George W. Bush. Now, I thought he was a really good wartime president. He really rose to the occasion after 9-11. But I had a lot of problems with Bush also. And I was fair, and I did call him out, even though he's somebody who claims to be a conservative. The man was very beholding to Mexico, did nothing substantial about our border situation. Compared to Biden, it looked like nothing. But he wasn't very good with the border either. And when we went to war with Iraq, and I didn't have a problem with that, they were claiming that there were weapons of mass destruction there. And as you know, the big buzz in the news was we arrived in Iraq and there were no weapons of mass destruction. When Bush's representatives were interviewed and asked about them, they would say things like, well, we caught Saddam Hussein and we feel he himself is a weapon of mass destruction. I'm sorry. That was a really lame and stupid and political answer. We know that's not what they were talking about. Actually, there was Israeli intelligence, which is just about the best in the world, which said that those weapons had been there and had been taken into Syria before we got there. I had an Iraqi on my radio show a number of years ago who gave me information that they actually did find those weapons. And I said, okay, well, if they were there, then the Bush administration had to have known this. And he's being called a liar. Why didn't they come out and say, yes, we found them? He said, well, because the weapons that they found, we had sold to Iraq. You may remember that many years before when Iran and Iraq were at war and Iran was the enemy we were mostly concerned about, we did sell weapons to Iraq. All the Bush administration would have had to have done was say, yes, they did come from us. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. At the time, we were trying to support Iraq against Iran, but now Iraq has become dangerous. They could have done that, but they didn't. So Bush allowed himself to be called a liar and 
He was a liar. But the lie they accused him of and the lie he was guilty of were two different lies. <laughs> yes, we had weapons of mass destruction. He didn't want to admit that we had sold them. I guess he saw that as too much egg on his face. But that was a very political answer. Well, we think Saddam Hussein himself is a weapon of mass destruction. Sorry, we're not buying it. Yes, Saddam was an evil man and certainly was as dangerous as a weapon of mass destruction. But that's not the point. The point is they were talking about actual weapons. And of course, the lying with politicians continues. Have you noticed that liberal Democrats who are all pro-choice when asked about abortion will always say that they personally are against abortion? Have you noticed that? Not one politician is for abortion, but so many of them want you to be able to have one. Oh, well, personally? Personally? I think it's wrong. In fact, I think it's reprehensible. However, if you want to have one, that's okay. Well, if it's really reprehensible, then it should be against the law. And of course, on this show, we strongly emphasize the fact that God forgives people. My wife does a wonderful ministry of forgiveness and healing to women who have had abortions. But the point is, we still have to agree as a country what's right and wrong in the first place. But perhaps one of the most political answers we've ever had, the one closest to what Jesus heard from the Pharisees and Sadducees in the temple, was the latest nomination to the Supreme Court, Justice Jackson, when asked by by the Senate if she can define a woman. I can't. I'm not a biologist. Now, this is somebody who's graduated law school. This is somebody who's already served as a judge for many years. This is one of nine justices that will be ruling from our Constitution. They have far more power than the Constitution ever meant to give them. But put that aside, we've given them the power, whether it's constitutional or not. This is one of nine people that will be making decisions on behalf of the country, and she can't define what a woman is? Of course she knows what a woman is. She's not stupid. She was being political. If I simply answer the question and say a woman is the biological opposite of a man, then the people that I need to support me for this nomination will not support me. Not all that complicated. When a man runs on a woman's track team and wins the trophy because he has the physique of a man, it doesn't really matter what he's identifying himself with. You know this. I know this. Everybody knows this. Justice Jackson knew it, and she gave a political answer. So as you see, not much has changed in the last 2,000 years. Politicians do not like to give a simple answer to a simple question. Instead, they put their fingers to the wind and try to test what the reaction would be depending on what they say. And what I'll say is this. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious.